10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, I say it every year, but in the wake of our trip, I'm not yet recovered from our trip. <laughs> well, we should tell listeners this is Wednesday. We returned on Sunday. Um, I think every year we get older when we go on this trip, <laughs> at least another half-day recovery time needed. No doubt. Pretty no doubt. soon we'll be, uh, we'll be at a full week. Right. So as listeners found out last week, we took a, a very different kind of trip this year. We were in lovely or our home base was Denver, Colorado. I'm like, what was the name of the neighborhood again? Uh, low, low high. high, something like that. Low high. Yeah. yeah low high. Very cool place Lower that high we found. Um, and of course, the purpose of the trip was a, was a double header. We were on Friday night at the uh, Colorado UCLA game at Boulder, which was very interesting. And then a uh, vastly different cultural experience down at Air Force <laughs> in Colorado Springs the next day. Um, but for you guys, three full days in Denver for me, like two and a half. It was a it was a very very awesome and just different trip. Yeah, yeah, and we went. Uh, there could not be two diff- more different atmospheres than Friday night in Boulder, go- heading into Folsom Field, where a hundred percent of the people there are partying. Right. Uh, in the stadium, there's just a a, a haze of smoke everywhere. <laughs> um, it was it was a wild party. I don't know if that's because it was Friday night. Um, Colorado's playing well. I think I suspect the Friday night kick had a lot to do with it. And then. Of course, Saturday we went, as the local Coloradans say, down south. Down south, yeah. To the springs, the Colorado springs. springs. Yeah. A place that apparently many people in the Boulder, Denver area have never been to or never go to. And uh, it's a very conservative kind of military, but uh, no less enjoyable, I think, experience uh, at uh, at the Air Force Academy for the Air Force Nevada game on Saturday. No, I mean, it was great. So I'll just, we'll do this real quick, Mike, because we should. Um, first of all, I know you and Mike, you and Brian got out there early. Uh, Note to listener, Brian, to see a show at Red Rocks, famous uh, venue. You've been there before. Brian had not. Any thoughts to share with the audience on Red Rocks? Uh, it's a Shangri-La. It's a mecca if you like music. Um, even if you even if you're out in the Denver area and there's no concert, I think it's worth going to. It's that beautiful. Um, we I've seen some incredible music there. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band, um, Yonder Mountain String Band. This band, uh, get the let out a Zeppelin tribute band. I would not add to that list, but we had uh, <laughs> we had we had a great time. And we also went to the Rockies game on on Thursday during the day. Um, ex- excellent crowd, great stadium there too. Rockies, Phillies, Mike. That's right. Rockies moving on from uh, defeating the Cubs, and uh, I'm ro- big, rooting big time for an A's Rockies World Series. So again, I arrive on I, I at noon or so on uh, Friday, Denver Airport, a sprawling, massive airport, by the way. Tim, you were Tim was overwhelmed with the Denver Airport. The pickup went. Uh, I I would like to say flawless, but that would be the opposite of how it went. Listeners should know if you ever fly in Denver Airport, you can only leave the airport by getting on a train. There's no exit. 
Tim, there are many, many, many airports throughout this fine country and indeed the entire world where you have to get on one of those little trains to leave the terminal. It was essentially a shuttle, Mike, and you're out against shuttles. Yeah, it's a shuttle. It's a non-bus shuttle. <laughs> From there, we drove, uh, what was it, that town you you found? Louisville, not Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. We went to the uh, second oldest bar in Colorado. Uh, there was a bartender there who had been east once, right? He had been to New York once and drove around for a few hours. But he was a great, <laughs> a great guy, uh, bought us some drinks, real nice guy. And from there, we went to the Left Hand Brewing, which was, had some fantastic beer. That was then cool, it was yeah. uh, Then it was on to Boulder. What were your thoughts on Boulder? I mean, I, mean, it, it, I will say I wish I had been there for a day game just to spend more time there in the light to get a full appreciation. But the town is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous town. Absolutely gorgeous And town. it was the first, I think, town we've been in. Where there's a distinct, it's a, it's still a college town, but there's a distinct kind of downtown college town area, yeah. and then there's a right near the campus, right near the stadium where everybody is 21 kind of uh, area. We went to both and enjoyed them both. It was great. Uh, beautiful town. And like I think you said before we got there, it's like, imagine like a really quintessential college town, but also you look up and you see snow-capped mountains everywhere, which is definitely yeah. a nice accent to it. Um, it. I think the, so I had high expectations for Boulder. What impressed me was UC's campus and also Folsom Field, Mike. What a great stadium. Perfect size, right, Tim? That's what you couldn't stop right. saying. It was like, I think we, we looked it up mid-50s in terms of capacity. Uh, they, it was very close to sold out uh, on Friday night. And the, the fans were loud. They were into the game. And they were into uh, their vape pens as well. And um, the stadium, too. Similar to where was it Tennessee, where it's right on right on campus, which is kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, directly on campus. And also, um, fans are so close to the field. They did a really nice job with that stadium. I, I, I mean, I couldn't get past it. I was like, wow, this is an excellent atmosphere. And I'm sure every game there is not that kind of uh, crowd. Yes. But it was really really cool. It was also very very cold, Mike. It was not that cold. It was, <laughs> it was cold. It was Colorado. <laughs> I mean, you're you're high up in the altitude. It is. <laughs> Uh, the end of September. It was mire- moderately cold, but Tim was shivering as if it, if it if it was, you know, um, January in Siberia or something. I was forced to buy a I will say a beautiful Colorado hat that I've since passed on to my daughter Anna. A great hat, and they saw how cold I was, and they threw in two free hand warmers for me, Mike. Did Anna appreciate her hat? Did you have to tell her how much it cost you to make her appreciate <laughs> no it? No one needs to know how much that hot hat costs. <laughs> I was so cold. I was so cold. I didn't. I didn't even ask how much the hat cost. I was like, I'll take the hat. <laughs> Always ask. Always ask. Uh, they sell beer there too. Props yeah. to Folsom Field for selling beer. That was a surprise. Uh, so then we left there, got back to Denver that night, um, and then again, the next day we woke up. It was kind of a nice. It was a nice pace for that day because there was no rush to get to the Springs, right? The game was a 2 p.m. local kick. Nice, I woke up, nice kick time. I woke up like at 5 in the morning because I just woke <laughs> up. Uh, you, you were comfortable to stay in bed until what? 11, Mike? You were just like lounging. Yes, I, I love laying in bed and watching <laughs> uh, game day that comes on at 7 a.m. there in Denver. Right. Uh, I, I think about roughly about two of the three hours of this week's game day were devoted to what a, quote, winner Trace McSorley is. <laughs> he is, except for the last four minutes of the game. That, when they don't put the except for a lot of the big games. I guess these other <laughs> quarterbacks, Haskins, he doesn't really win much, I guess. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler oh, Murray. None of these we'll come guys. back to that, Mike. We'll come back to that. Um, so we left the house around 11. Uh, had a nice stop at Pikes Peak Brewing. So, again, I, I, ha- this is my first time out there, and um, – as we got further south from Denver, the landscape changed a bit. It was a, a what was it, alternating between foothills and then like mountains, mountains. 
right? Yeah. And we stopped it's, in the it's mountain. Very du- it's a lot dustier and browner down there. It too. is. So we, uh, what, we stopped at Pike's Peak Brewing near, well, you, you could see Pike's Peak from that brewery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that's how they got the name. Had a beer there, and not to disparage the fine folks at Pike's Peak, not the best beer, right? Not the best beer, and one other quick funny note about that, of course, they were having an Oktoberfest, right. and their uh, middle-aged waitresses were, I assume, forced into their kind of German beer wench outfits, and the one serving us was supremely uncomfortable. She had to do everything with one hand because she was using her other hand to cover a cleavage. Right. They, they did not look happy with the whole arrangement. But um, seemed seemed illegal to me. Right. So we did that. Then we got drew another half hour from there. Got to the springs. Although it should be noted, if you ever go to the Air Force Academy, folks, and I, I recommend it. It was a great, great uh, stop for us. It actually is nowhere near Colorado Springs. We didn't see the town of Colorado Springs. We didn't ever get to the town. No. It's it's north of the town, and it's really on the outskirts. So, no, we we were told we were missing nothing, by the way. Equally bizarre, the stadium. So, again, folks should understand, this is basically, you're in the middle of nowhere. Now, there's there's endless land, right, Mike? There's land everywhere. And the stadium is a drive from the action. We didn't even see the academy. Like, we saw, we drove drove past the academy. You can see, like, the, the, the famous chapel. But it was nowhere near the stadium. That's true. That's correct. Which was interesting, I thought. Like, wh- why would you just put it right, right there on campus when you have nothing but land around you? Because you have nothing but land. They want, <laughs> um, they want to, to use all that land. The parking situation was spectacular. Oh, it was fan- yeah, that was fantastic. And also, just to like, look, Air Force, the stadium, also a pretty cool place. Not the best crowd on the day. Air Force didn't play that great. The people were awesome. I, we had some really nice people at the Air Force. Um, Flyover less than spectacular. I did enjoy the parachute in though by the uh, what were they called, Mike? The airborne troops. That was pretty cool. And of course the uh, the Air Force mascot, the bird, parachuted in. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then upon landing, the guy behind me said, uh, "If he's a bird, why does he need to parachute?" <laughs> completely serious. So we enjoyed some triple option live, which it's always great to watch triple option live. Um, we stayed there until past halftime for us, which was a big a big achievement for us, and. One thing I'll say, too, is the weather variation over the course of the two days. So it was 40-some degrees on Friday. We woke up on Saturday morning. It was still in the 40s. It stayed chilly the entire day until what happened, Mike? Uh, the sun came out? The sun came out, and it, was just, it wasn't like a, a front came through. It was just the sun coming out and you being that high in the mountains. And it was like, wow, that's it turned my, hot yeah, right that's away. My, that's my theory. You're closer to the sun up there. <laughs> right. The sun is intense in Colorado. <laughs> no, so again, it was a, a overall fantastic trip. We went back to uh, Denver, caught the Penn State game. We'll get there in a bit. Mike, we shouldn't belabor the point. I'll just say again, each of our trips has been fantastic. This is equally fantastic. It was a great different kind of thing for us. Great people at both uh, both locales. Anything more to add, Mike? Yeah, you're forgetting one of the best oh, parts. Oh, this is that one of the best parts, yes. <laughs> when we're driving from Denver to Colorado Springs, we're listening to the Indiana Rutgers game on the radio, of course, as anyone would. Um, and we had only the Rutgers feed, right? So the Rutgers announcers <laughs> on the first drive, the first time Indiana had the ball, apparently there were a couple of, quote, controversial calls made against the beloved Scarlet Knights. Now, it's a three-man booth. One of them, you said you knew the play-by-play guy, Chris something, right? Chris Carlin used to be on Sirius. He's, yeah. he's pretty good, yeah. So the second guy in the booth is Ray Lucas, legendary Rutgers quarterback, played for Bill Parcells in the NFL. There is a mystery third guy <laughs> in the booth who 
could not control his anger and fury <laughs> at the at the referees. And uh, upon one pass interference call that he did not agree with, said it was he complained about the quote freaking zebras it on was the a, air, right? The fourth minute of the game, and he flipped freaking out zebras. about the freaking zebras. Yeah. Now I have to say, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I watched the Indiana Rutgers Big Ten game in 60 <laughs> minutes, which is one of my favorite shows, by the way. You see 100% of the action in just 60 minutes, and I saw the call that he was originally complaining about, and it was the most obvious pass interference I've ever seen. The guy <laughs> told him down. The TV announcers said, "Oh yeah, that was." A, they didn't spend more than two seconds on it because it was such an obvious call. So I looked up who this guy is, Tim. His name is Anthony Fucili. Sounds about right. Uh, and his nickname is the Fooch. <laughs> He's returning for his 13th season call, uh, calling Rutgers football. So that was very, very amusing. And, of course, the Hoosiers held on uh, to win by seven. But It was like uh, having Tony Soprano in the booth for football. It, re- it, really, it really was. I, thought I, was I, I was scared for the safety of the referees. I thought he was going to leave the booth. <laughs> And go down there to physically assault them. <laughs> right. So that was that was a highlight as well. Um, Mike, news items. You ready? Yep. Now, as we were tailgating in the Air Force parking lot, we listened to the ending of the absolutely fantastic Clemson-Syracuse game. Now, Mike, first of all, much credit once again to Dino Babers for Syracuse three years ago was a... What the the, the they were uh, laughing stock uh, the dumpster fire right they were they were in the they were in the uh, Rutgers Oregon State division of of uh, Power Five football and last year they beat Clemson and everyone thinks all right this year their Cuse is going to Clemson Clemson has revenge in their mind well no Syracuse again plays an amazing game Um, we turn the game on is it after Lawrence got hurt right oh yeah well after Lawrence got hurt and um. In comes Chase Bryce, right? His name, Chase Bryce. Yeah, I got a, a number of kind of uh, Southern first names as both its names. And engineers an absolutely miraculous um, fourth quarter drive to win the game for Clemson. But of course, it was in the wake of the um, Kelly. I'm blanking out his name, Mike. Kelly Bryant. Bryant Kelly Bryant transferred the week. This their backup quarterback transfers. The starter, of course, gets hurt. I mean, it's Shakespearean. Oh my God, it, it was absolutely insane. And can you imagine? I, I'm sure your friends who are the the compadres of Clemson, their reaction must have been epic. It must have been epic. I want I want to know what Kelly Bryant's reaction was. I'm sure he was watching the game. I wonder what was going through his mind. Do you think he was watching the game? Uh yes, I do think he was watching the game. What else? And, what do you think he was doing? Studying. <laughs> my point was of this this whole news item is that Trevor Lawrence. Originally feared to be a concussion issue, and God knows how that long takes to come back. You never know with that. Expected to start next week, Mike. That's right, and it was uh, very key that Bryce got that play in time and came through like he did. So uh, Clemson, certainly not in the same position they were when they had Kelly Bryant, but uh, I think they should be okay. Here's a fun story, Mike. So I didn't hear this actually until today, but I had to share it with you. Have you heard about the, uh, itch, the situation with the Penn State helicopter? I also just heard of it today. <laughs> so, uh, as you might imagine, the build-up to the Penn State Ohio State game, it was a fairly raucous scene there in State College, Happy Valley. And the state police, in conjunction with, with the university, they, they they had their usual, like, they had horses, right? And you had a, 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 a vastly uh, improved police presence. But they also called in helicopters. This one particular tailgate, and I can picture it having been there before, 
was rather large and was not responding to um, warnings from the horseback cops and the rest of it. So a helicopter had to descend upon this tailgate and descended a little too close. And as the helicopter got too close to the tailgate, the rotors, of course, blew all the tents in the surrounding area off their moorings. And now it's a big controversy and they will no longer have helicopters at the uh, Penn State Games. I don't Thank blame... God. Why in God's name do they have <laughs> helicopters trying to police a tailgate? Uh, having been there, there is a certain element at the Penn State game, like sometimes, and not to, to not to uh, stereotype, the, the but young, the young Judge Kavanaugh's. <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna go there. Let's say the young people from say uh, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia who didn't exactly go to Penn State but just come in for like the party and it turns into oh like, riff raff riff raff. Uh, yeah, but beyond that. Um, I don't blame the police guy in the helicopter. He's trying to do his job. Apparently, this tailgate was like massive and sprawling. And if you're next to that tailgate, you're annoyed as well, and you're almost happy that the tail that the helicopter blew them away, right? Because <laughs> like, who needs the 400 people tailgate next to you? No one, no one needs that, Mike. No one. So does. apparently, they were looking for a 21 year old from the town of Durwood, Maryland, which is one town over from where I grew up. He was charged with felony taunting or striking a police animal. Oh, uh, he hit the, that, hit the horse, yeah. He hit the horse. That's that's like a Mardi Gras kind of charge. You see that in all the time down in New Orleans after Mardi Gras. Um, whatever happens to that guy, I I, I really uh, I couldn't care less. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like you need to bring helicopters in caisson style uh, to to take care of a football tailgate, but it, it's an amusing little story. And also, I, I I'm guessing more than half of the people at the tailgate didn't particularly care about the game. Just my guess, though. Like, yes, just my I guess. would. Agree. Uh, finally, and a, a much more sober note, um, we hear about these stories far too often, but um, a player at Tennessee State, correct, Mike, uh, Christian mm-hmm. Abercrombie, suffered a pretty scary head injury last week um, and was in very critical condition and had surgery. I, I, supposedly he's doing better, but it looks pretty scary for this kid, too. Um it's one of these things where it's a reminder that it's still a pretty dangerous game. And we like pray for that kid and his family. And I, I saw the replay that it was, what was weird about it is like, it didn't look like, nah, it just looked like a play. Yeah. Do you, do you view these things any differently now that you have a son playing football? Absolutely. And I, I like, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine at work the other day, his kids have, they're grown up and they're out of high school. And he was saying they played football and, and he was saying like, it, it's hard to watch when you're a parent and now that my son is playing, I love football, but it is hard to watch when your kid's playing because you kind of know, like, one play away, right? And, like, yeah. it, it could be a broken bone or it could be, like, a concussion or it could be something scary like that. It's just it is the game is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, best wishes to that kid. Absolutely. Um, Mike, we're already 20 minutes in. We should do the weekend review quickly. Ready? Yep. Now, today, I heard someone on our beloved Sirius talking Always about... Always good when you yawn into the microphone. That conveys <laughs> a nice energy. Still recovering. Um, who was it? I, I'm blanking on his name. But anyway, his his sentiment, I'm absolutely on board with him, especially seeing Ohio State play this week. He basically said, he was a Pac-12 guy. He's like, you know what? Five weeks into the season, I have no idea how anybody beats Alabama. Alabama 56, Louisiana 14. I know it's Louisiana. Um, Great cover by Louisiana, too. I should have gone with that as my lock of the week because they did have a little side play on that. And again, everyone is saying the same thing. Bama's now has the one thing they never had, which is a dynamic, 
possibly Heisman caliber quarterback. And it's like, my God, how do you stop these guys? I mean, there's not much to say about this game except for, like, look out rest of the world. Because if you're going to beat those guys, you're going to have to play a perfect game, and they're going to have to make some mistakes. Don't think Arkansas is going to do it on Saturday. Probably not. Number two, Georgia 38, Tennessee 12. Hey, credit to the Vols for showing up for a little bit. Yeah, and our uh, our third travel buddy, Brian Schlater, attempted to watch this in the backseat of the car driving back from the Air Force game. He did. Uh, we, heard, we heard some... Uh, Sighs. Some sighs. We heard some um, celebrations. So it was a, it's kind of a ho-hum. Georgia seems to be just kind of going through the motions, waiting for their bigger games, I think. Yep. The aforementioned Clemson 27, Syracuse 23. Now, look, none of us are going to dispute Clemson's standing in the world of college. They've earned their standing, but they've got some things to work out. They don't seem like the same um, high-powered uh, Clemson we've known and also defensively not yeah, it's not ju- yeah it's not just on all it's not just the offense as yeah. uh as my compadres have pointed out the defense is not playing at a playoff level right now either number four Ohio State 27 number nine Penn State 26 now the one thing I'll say about this game is in the you're only going to say one thing about this game I doubt well, one long thing probably Mike <laughs> um James Franklin postgame press press conference I know some people had a problem with it I think he's just being honest, and I think like he was—he basically said like, "Look, we are now a great program, but two years in a row, it was one point difference between us and them, and we're playing an elite program, and we're not there yet." Which is true. Like, yeah, it comes down to not just look. Ohio State sells better athletes. Penn State played a great game. They cannot close it down. That's two years in a row. They had to lead a double-digit lead midway through the fourth quarter and let it go. And elite teams don't do that, Mike. I have to give you credit. When we talked about the game before in the morning, you said the two keys were going to be number one for Penn State. And his name again is KJ Hamler. He had a huge game. You said Penn State's going to drop some balls. Their wide receivers are not really shorthanded, which did happen as well. When the game uh, was in the fourth quarter and Penn State was up, two scores now this is kind of something that any fan would do you oh this game is far from over we're gonna blow this um but you really did kind of feel at least we did watching that game from you know 2500 miles away on tv that ohio state still was confident Confident. right right yeah ohio state just thinks they're gonna win all the time and they're right 99.9 percent of the time and it was a classic case of ohio state i think thinking they're gonna win even when they're down two scores and Penn State hoping to win. Right. And just again, late in the game, let's just not screw up. Let's let's just like you yeah. know, turtle up here. Um and you mentioned McSorley. That kid had a, he did everything right to win that game. Everything. He's, he's a phenomenal college quarterback. He's everything you want in a college quarterback. And to take the ball out of his hands on fourth and five with the game in the line was the most colossal dumb call. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that is you insane. Know what? I, I what made it far, far worse was the timeouts used beforehand. So with if you don't use those timeouts, you don't get it. Granted, you could stop them. You could get the ball back. There wouldn't be a lot of time. I understand that. Um, but using those timeouts to come out with a play like that after those timeouts, that's what made it really baffling to me. Yeah. Anyway, I will say, too, it was a fun game to watch. And we watched with three Ohio State fans, or at least an Ohio State fan and two people he knew. <laughs> um, and they were, they were great about it. Um, and the, the bar was a great energy in the bar for that game. It was a really fun, fun game. It's become one of the great games of the college football calendar. Um, I just wish that Penn State wouldn't blow it every year. Uh, moving on, Mike. Number five, LSU, 45, Ole Miss, 16. Give LSU credit. 
right? In a year where everyone thought that Coach O was in the hot seat, he's doing a great job. I thought uh, Ole Miss could give him a game in this game, and I, I didn't see any of this game, but when I saw the score, I was very impressed by the Tigers. Number eight, Notre Dame, 38. Number seven, Stanford, 17. Now, this was the other game on TV at the bar where we were at for the Ohio State game. I caught glimpses of it. I think you watched more of it. Yeah, I watched a, I watched a fair amount of it. And Notre Dame looked very – they looked like a different team with Book at, at quarterback. But I think you, what you saw, a couple things. Stanford, very tough ask to have them go on the road. Right. You know, right after that, that Oregon game that took so much out of them. And Stanford's played a brutal, really kind of a tough, very tough – first half of the schedule they looked a little tired i'm not sure what's happened to stanford's running game bryce love i mean he had a one really beautiful touchdown run that i was sure to point out to everyone but uh, it looked like a game notre dame was in complete control and now as i predicted on last week's show notre dame winning this game has started all the notre dame's gonna go undefeated and go to the playoff talk well they have a test this week mike which we'll talk yes, about later uh, number do. 11 washington 35 number 20 byu 7 now, some of us thought this was going to be a close one, right? Didn't some of us even make this their lock of the week, BYU? Am I 1-5 now, Mike? You're 1-4. I'm 4 i am Brutal. Uh, yeah, Washington was up 35 nothing in this one, I believe. Just a complete shellacking. Doesn't bode well for Wisconsin. No, also, I, the same I thought. Same, same thought. And it's like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> not, not a, not yeah, a promising uh, yeah. omen for the, the Badgers. Uh how about this, though, Mike? Number 12, West Virginia, 42. Number 25, Texas Tech, 34. Now, I'll say this before I get into West Virginia. Tech is better this year than they have been. Um, West Virginia has a legit, legit, legit chance to win the Big 12. Absolutely. No, no question have, about they, it. They have a legit chance to go to the playoff. Right. Um, you know what's kind of, kind of interesting, though, is the game that they were supposed to play against NC State that was canceled because of the hurricane. Yep, the Boy, that, could, that could come back to be a factor possibly for both schools, but this was a kind of game West Virginia loses in their average seven and five kind of West Virginia year. This is a game they lose and uh, they, they went down to Lubbock and took care of business. I, I, I agree. I'm buying the Mountaineers right now. You know, you're not buying right now, Mike, the Mountaineers uh, near rival just across the border in Pittsburgh, number 13, <laughs> UCF 45 pit 14 pit sucks. They're flat out terrible. And on the flip side, UCF is uh, excellent. Right. They are flat out good. So I don't know. Interesting game with Pitt and Syracuse this week. Syracuse is going to be – it's a tough emotional game for Syracuse, right? Uh, and it's not going to be the same kind of atmosphere. I think they're playing in Pitt as it was in, uh, in Clemson. So I think that's kind of a fascinating game. But here's the difference. Dino Babers is a good coach. <laughs> and Pat Narduzzi is not. I mean, he, he's he's proven nothing at Pitt. They they are they've gotten worse every single year. Yeah, they they had their one shot with Paul Christ, right? And uh, other than that, it's been very very middling for Pitt for such a long time. What kills me too is they had no idea how good Christ was for them. Like yeah, ugh. Anyway, uh, number fourteen, Michigan twenty, Northwestern seventeen. Still, I still not sure what to make of Michigan at this point. 17 nothing Northwestern in this game before Michigan came back. Is that that's not that's not an elite kind of performance by by the Wolverines. Number 17 Kentucky 24 Carolina 10. Credit to the Wildcats. I love it. Everybody's loving Kentucky right now. 5 and oh, they're they are, I would say they are kind of the feel good story of the first what 5 6 weeks of of the season. And again, it's early. We'll see how the season ends. They could they could lose 7 in a row. It's happened before, right? Yes. But if things if they win eight nine games this year, you point to that and you say like you know what there's an example of an administration being patient, 
trusting the guy you hired, yep. right, in Stoops to build something, and it takes time at a place like Kentucky. You don't, you don't just win overnight at Kentucky or in three years. It takes time, and he, apparently he's getting close. That's why I hope Tom Allen is still coach of your Indiana Hoosiers in 2025. There you go. Uh, number 18, Texas 19, K-State 14. I still have no idea what they uh, – Texas, who knows at this point, right? Who knows? Yeah, but it's a big win for Texas because it's a week before the Oklahoma game. They have traditionally played terrible in Manhattan. Now, it's not the same kind of vaunted uh, under-the-radar Kansas State team this year that it has been in previous years, but I still think that's a solid big-time win for Texas, and I cannot wait for the Red River Red River shootout this week. Number 19, Oregon 42. Number 24, Cal uh, 24. Um, this one, hey, good win for good bounce back win for Oregon, but that one has to hurt knowing that they let the Stanford game slip away because, like, that was their season, and now Oregon, they can win, they have no shot now. I mean, like, that, they, their chance they had against Stanford, and they blew it. You blew it. And Tim, how is it possible that we were not on the West Coast, but in mountain time, only an hour away from West Coast time, and we still did not watch uh, the late night Pac 12 game? Well, there was many reasons. Uh, Florida, 13, number 23, Mississippi State, 6. Now, this is just, I mean, like, hey, like, dude, <laughs> I think the script has not gone as planned for either Florida or Mississippi State at this point, but this must have been one dreadful football game, Mike. Well, it was on. It was on in our bar uh, for was quite it? a long Yeah, quite a lot of it was on. And remember, I made a comment. Florida has fallen so far that they when when they're on in the bar you don't give them a second glance as no. if it, you know it, yeah. it's almost as if um you know Minnesota were playing or and obviously I understand Florida's a bigger bigger program than Minnesota but my point is there's not even a whiff of big gameness in a Florida game anymore you look at and you see them on the TV and you know that it's really a middle to lower tier SEC game week in and week out if they're involved their offense is pitiful continues to be their defense is pretty good though They've got a long way to go, Mike. Yes, they do. And we'll get back to that at the end of the show. All right. Top 25. We'll do it fast. Ready, Mike? Yep. All right. First of all, the best part of the top 25, of course, of week is the others receiving votes. You want to hear some some highlights? Yes. Let's hear some others. Uh, how about one vote for Hawaii? Oh, Hawaii. I love it. Uh, the secret did get out on Hawaii, though. Two votes for Appy State. Oh, nice. They, yeah, they're, they're, they played uh, Penn State as tough as Penn State played Ohio State. Ten points for the Maryland Terrapins. Very nice. They whooped up uh, on Minnesota. That was, I guess, that was two weeks ago. Big game for the Terps at, at Michigan this week. And finally, a team I have not seen a second of. I'm sure you haven't either, Mike. How about 35 votes for Cincinnati? No, five and zero, right uh, for Luke Fickle and the boys. No, I have not seen a, a minute of Cincinnati football. All right, the top 25. 25, Okie State. Still hanging around. I love, my favorites are always 25, 24, <laughs> right. 23, and 22 because there's, there's a combination of two teams that are there just for their names and then like some upstarts like Duke a few weeks ago. 24 of Tech, big game this week. Yeah, huge game coming back to beat the Dukies last week. 23 NC State. Undefeated, and I'll be seeing them in what, three weeks down in, uh, in Death Valley. 22, the aforementioned Florida Gators. That's a, a miraculous that they're ranked. Their logo really is like the cheesiest logo in all of college football. It's so bad that the alligators <laughs> cartoon. It's so bad. It's so bad. Do better. Not, as, ba- not as bad as their offense. <laughs> Twenty-one. We saw them live, Mike. The Colorado Buffaloes. 
They have. They seem to have a good offense, but they haven't beaten anybody. UCLA no. is horrible, and watching UCLA try and tackle people is is comical. Uh, but yes, they've got a little something going on in in Colorado, and it's funny though. They their big win is a five point win over Nebraska, which now looks like uh, <laughs> almost kind of a loss. They did look good against UCLA. Though. I mean, I know they're terrible, but like they did look. Yeah, good. yeah, it was uh, good. They look good. And I like their uniforms too. Crisp, oh, outstanding. Uh, Twenty Sparty. Uh, they shouldn't be ranked. 19, Texas. I think they're on the rise. 18, Oregon. Uh, great team, but again, their season's basically over because of the one collapse. <laughs> 17, Miami. I don't – that's a team I haven't thought for a second about no, since first no, week. No, no. Uh, 16, Wisconsin. And that again, as we said, the BYU showing in uh, Seattle really does not bode well for the Badgers. 15, Michigan. I cannot believe Michigan is ranked 15. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no one to put ahead of them. We'll see you, see you later. And, of uh, course, <laughs> our, our disclaimer, these rankings mean nothing, and we understand that. 14, Stanford. There's no one to put ahead of them. Stanford's <laughs> still a good team. I would still not want to play Stanford in the Pac-12. Uh, 13, Kentucky. I love love the Cats. They're, they're like the Indiana of the SEC. They're what we aspire to as Indiana football. 12, UCF. Good on them. Good on them. Yeah, love UCF. I hope they get in the top 10. 11, Penn State. Uh, great. Great showing. Penn State played tremendously, but if they just started, you know, going to class on time and really concentrating on all the little <laughs> things, they might have had had this game. Ten Washington. Huskies seem to be rebounding nicely from the loss against Auburn. Nine the Mountaineers. I love them. They look good. Yeah, yeah. We kind of like they're our favorite Big Twelve team, right? We can say that now. Absolutely. Uh, eight Auburn. Uh, suspicious to me at eight. I'm sorry. Yeah, they had a very sluggish win over Southern Miss. Right? They're just kind of waiting to their next big game. Seven Oklahoma. Uh, Sooners bounce back with the Baylor's is what you just what you need. Could there couldn't could there be a more opposite team, two more opposite teams, big time college football than Army and Baylor? <laughs> no, absolutely. In not. every possible <laughs> category. Uh, the next two, so these next two teams could either finish. I'm serious, out of the top twenty five entirely, or in the top ten. Number six Notre Dame, number five LSU. Notre Dame, based on their schedule, cannot finish out of the top 25. They just do not have a very hard schedule. And LSU, I believe, is for real. For real, for real? For real, for real. Uh, like they're not going to beat Alabama. But they're, <laughs> they're for real. No. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, four, Clemson. Three, Ohio State. Two, Georgia. One, Bama. Like, the top yeah, four, already, will, that, will that ever change? Will that ever change? Yeah, the, the top, <laughs> certainly not this season. I can't see it changing. No. All right, Mike. Games of the week. You ready? Ready. I'm not blown away by this week's calendar. I will say. Are you? It's it, it's it's okay. I, I like uh, I like the the lineup in that Maryland plays Michigan at noon, and then Indiana Ohio State is at four, and then I do I am intrigued by the Notre Dame Vitek. So I like the the staggering of the games, but in terms of volume, there's not a lot. We'll start with number one Bama at Arkansas noon ESPN. Now, first of all, we've said many times it would be great to go to a game in Arkansas. Um, in their best years, that must be a, an amazing atmosphere. And I think a, a coach, I think Steve Spurrier said that was the best atmosphere he ever saw when they were good. When the, when the Razorbacks were really good, that was the toughest place he played. That's not the case right now, though, Mike. They're not very good. They're they're trying to transition into this Chad Morris uh, spread offense, which just may not work ultimately in the SEC, especially in the West. How bad does Bama beat Arkansas this week? They beat them by over 35 points. That's going to be my <laughs> official prediction because 
we saw last week Saban does not like to cover against these cupcake teams that he plays. It's a, yeah. it's a trend that everyone needs to get on board with, especially because Lafayette had um, an assistant coach coaching. Now, of course, I should have given all this information out on last week's show. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he does like to cover against SEC teams, and uh, <laughs> it's going. This is going to be an annihilation. Your beloved Red River Rivalry, Mike, number 19, Texas at, well, not at, number 7, Oklahoma, noon on Fox. Uh, a great, great, great game every single year. Now, if Texas is even approaching being real, they need to keep this one close. This is the first uh, game in this rivalry in quite some time where both teams are ranked, where both teams have, I think, legitimate shot of winning. Now, Texas has won a few of them in recent years as a huge underdog where they really kind of surprised Oklahoma. This is the first one I can remember in quite some time where they're both coming in playing very, very well. And it's actually an important game for the Big 12 uh, race. So I definitely will be watching this one at noon. I've been to this game, as you know. It was one of my favorite college football trips. And this is something I would pick as a repeat, just so you and you and um, Brian could go see it. Because, once again, it's impossible for me to... Uh, explain how close the, the stadium. It's not that the stadium is close to the fair. It's in the fair. Yeah. You walk out of the stadium and you are smack dab in the middle of the fair. And the 50, 50 fan distribution of tickets is uh, tremendous. And the old cotton ball is just the greatest place you can ever imagine to watch a uh, football game. Unless you're behind one of the 780 cement pillars that are everywhere. <laughs> this game, not from a competitive standpoint, but from a line standpoint, intrigues me like Maryland at number 15, Michigan noon, ABC. I, I mentioned earlier, I don't know what to make of Michigan yet. Maryland is a true mystery team week to week. God knows what you're with Maryland, right? God knows what you're getting. They, they seem to be playing well with the one exception, of course, against Temple. Temple They've looked yeah, great in, yeah. in, all, in the rest of their four games. Um, Michigan, 17.5 point favorite. Seems like a lot, doesn't it? It's a big number, Mike. Especially for a team with such a putrid offense. So I've I've seen only a quarter and a quarter and a half of Michigan so far. Have you seen more than that? Because I get, I yeah. mean, the scores have not been impressive. No one is uh, speaking over the top about how they've improved. I, mean, I think they are definitely better just based on the fact that Patterson is not nearly as terrible as the last guys they've had at quarterback. But it seems ca- kind of status quoish, right? It does. Well, the, based on the points and numbers that they're putting up, it's not much of a change, if any. Number five, LSU at number 22, Florida, 330 CBS. Now, you you said you're sold on LSU. If if they are that good, they should blow the doors off Florida. And uh, you'll hear more about that later. Speaking of Florida games that used to matter a lot, Mike, when we were <laughs> kids, was there a bigger game? No, there was not. There was not a bigger game than Florida State-Miami, right? There was a period of, what, five years? The wide right kicks? <laughs> yeah. Right? And that was with Keith Jackson on the call. Oh. Yeah, it was it was a number of wide right kicks. I mean that that was those were the biggest games of the season. Right. So we have unranked Florida State at number seventeen, Miami three thirty ABC. Now on one hand, we know Florida State is garbage. On the other hand, as we discussed we don't know earlier, about Miami. Yeah, Miami, who knows? And this is the kind of game Miami loses because like it's not like they have the best home field advantage. No. Right? So no, and- it's they're uh, Miami favored by 13 and a half. I would be tempted to look to the underdog there and think it could be an ugly win for Miami could be an ugly win for Florida state, but that's a lot of points. How about Navy and air force, Mike three thirty in the CBS sports network. Now, of course, this is what, this is the game I wanted to go to that got me thinking about, uh, about our, our trip. But 
I decided to move it up a week so we could do the Colorado double. Now that we've seen the home field advantage at Falcon Stadium, Tim, right. uh, what do you think? Air Force is uh, getting three, so Navy favored by three. Uh, this would be a fun one to watch, but uh, you got to lean Navy, right? I'm guessing the spectacle around Navy Air Force would be a little different than the spectacle around Air Force Nevada, first off the bat. Although, for the record, we saw a nice contingent of, what, maybe 50 Nevada fans in their gear who had right, clearly they were traveled fired up. from they Reno. Were they were up. fired up, and I yeah. give them huge amounts of credits for making the trip from Reno to Colorado Springs to support their Wolf Pack, which, how many words is that, Tim? That is a great call by you. So, so NC State's Wolfpack one word, right? One word. One word. Wolfpack two words is much better. It is. It's a lot more intimidating. So props to Nevada for that, too. So that's a 3.30 kickoff. I might have to watch that on the BTV uh, on Saturday because Navy Air Force is, is great stuff. Speaking of the BTV, how about Iowa unranked at unranked Minnesota, 3.30 BTN. What happened to row the boat, Minnesota, the rest of that stuff? They're just kind of like they're, they're out there floating, huh? Yeah, they're the same. And by the way, you say BTV. I think that's more of a D or an ETV from most <laughs> other people. You have a very uh, bizarre fascination with Iowa. Minnesota favored by seven. So Iowa, this wow, this game opened Iowa by three, and now it's Iowa by seven. I would, based on watching Minnesota against the Terps, I would take Iowa. Mike, Indiana at number three, Ohio State. Now, 4 p.m. BTN. Now, you may have heard this week that in the wake of their great win at Happy Valley, Urban Meyer called the Buckeyes together for an important team meeting, right? It was, it was a, a crisis meeting. And basically it's a, the classic coach thing where it's like, we're not that good. Stop believing you're not good. And it was, it was, it was clearly a ploy where it's like, all right, you got past this, this game you had circled in your schedule and now you're playing Indiana and you know, you may not take them as seriously as you should. Does that fact give you confidence that Indiana who has challenged Ohio state in recent years, Yes, for whatever reason. Now, of course, Ohio State has won, I believe we talked about this on a few podcasts ago, I think it's 22 straight against the Hoosiers, which is the longest, uh, tied for the longest streak in college football, along with Michigan's streak against the Hoosiers, now that Kentucky has beaten Florida. But for whatever reason, Indiana has played quite well against Ohio State, especially at the shoe. Uh, it's 25-point spread. I would look to Indiana first half because no matter what Urban Meyer says, a new, well, it's a 4 p.m. start. That does help uh, the Buckeyes. If this were a nooner, I'd be a lot more confident. But uh, I'll be watching. Um, Indiana has gotten taken care of business, not really done anything to show me that they can play with Ohio State for any more than maybe one possession. <laughs> Got to love the 4 p.m. kick, though, huh, Mike? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. You're the feature spot on the BTN that day. <laughs> no, you. Fox Network. Oh, it's on Fox, huh? Yeah, Network. Now, how about this? So, you're Kentucky. You're 5-0. and You just got a great win last week, right? And now your reward is to go, uh, look, granted they're unranked. You can't tell me A&M's not an opposing opponent or an opposing place to play. I know. Right back at it. Right back at it at A&M, 7 p.m. Is Kentucky up to the task? fascinating game here because that's a difficult trip and eventually Kentucky's going to run out of gas now obviously right. they're not going to go undefeated they're they the question is how many games are they going to lose they've come through with these wins against South Carolina Mississippi State Florida how good are those teams we don't know Texas A&M played well against uh, Bama as well as anybody can play against them played well against Clemson they'll be at home it's a 7 p.m. kick tough spot for the Wildcats Aggies favored by five and a half, and I would 
I would have to sh- to shade toward uh, A and M in this one. A and M minus six, right? Yeah, five and a half. I'm saying, but yes. How about unranked and sad and depressing Nebraska at number sixteen, Wisconsin, seven thirty on the BTN, Mike. Nebraska again. Like I, I have no, I have no doubt Frost will get it right, but it's going to be a total rebuild, a total yes. rebuild. Uh, Wisconsin, eighteen and a half point favorites. Wow. Against uh, against the Huskers. And did you see, by the way, um, what happened at the end of the Purdue Nebraska game, where the player said something to Scott Frost, said it was a no. winnable game. Oh boy. Apparently, Scott Frost had told uh, the media he's he, he's got uh, a way with words. This Scott Frost. He told the media that the Purdue game was a winnable game. And uh, <laughs> after the game, a player went up to him as he walked by. He said, "Hey, that was a real winnable game, wasn't it, Coach? I kind of like that." Uh, from the boilers but yeah wisconsin 18 and a half point favorite 7 30 p.m is anyone going to be watching this game outside of the states of wisconsin or nebraska i will be watching it mike <laughs> i knew you were going to say that right how about number six notre dame at number 24 Vatek, 8 p.m abc this would have been a this fun trip an, mike yeah this um, is an interesting game so notre dame again like they're they're riding high great great performance last week Vatek, you know iffy at best but you know it's going to be electric there um, the environment, yeah, the atmosphere is going to be off the charts there. First time Notre Dame has ever gone to Vitek, I believe, ever go, ever traveled to Blacksburg. Beautiful town, by the way. I went there last year for the first time, loved it. Saw the stadium, didn't go in, which is something we call tozering, uh, which is where you just drive by a stadium and point at it. You don't, you don't go in. So I've got a lot of those stadiums under my belt. Now the game opened. Notre Dame favored by two and a half. It's up to Notre Dame by six and a half. So mm. all the money coming in on the Irish. I would look toward Vatek in this one. I think they're going to be fired up. Here's a little stat for you, Tim. Notre Dame, what do you think their record is in their last 20 true road games? What do you mean true road games? Like uh, it's not not neutral site games, just where they're playing in the other team's stadium. Seven and thirteen. Very good guess. Eight and twelve. Ah. And of those twenty, of those eight and twelve. Against ranked teams, one and eight. Notre Dame, not a great road team. Vatek plays well at home. Uh, I like the Hokies to cover this one. Mike, so our season of misery continues. Our, our picks last week were what? Oh, my God. Last, Tim, I am 0-5 <laughs> at, as my lock of the week. And as I've been telling people, very hard. It's almost as hard to go 0-5 as it is to go 5-0. and It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult. So I do believe I... Should get a little credit there. I took East Carolina. Didn't think Old Dominion would bounce back. Of course, East Carolina won, but they did not cover. You took BYU to cover the 17 and a hook against Washington. They got absolutely smoked. Um, 0-5, I've never needed to win more than I need one this weekend. Bobby hit the bumper. That was a very... Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't get... I don't... I never have, and I never will. Yeah, right. The Mike Unger 50-50 possible rock probably loser of the week. Please hang up and try again. Very nice sigh when you said that, and this right. this segment is becoming a mockery. But for this week, Tim, this week's lock of the week—I can't even say it without <laughs> giggling—we are going down to the swamp where uh, LSU comes in to play the Florida Gators. LSU, a two and a half point favorite. They've got better wins. They've got better road wins. From what I've seen with my own two eyes of both teams, LSU is a superior team. I think the Tigers can certainly win by a field goal. I'm taking LSU minus two and a half. 
<laughs> Level of confidence, Mike. Well, it'd be an insult to the listeners to say anything over than really one when you're 0-5. Um, but LSU has won and covered four straight road games, by the way. That's a little research for you. That's what we call, like to call a little research. So um, go Tigers. I'll be rooting with rooting for Coach Miles over Coach Spurrier, right, with their little uh, their cute little Twitter bet this week. I'm going to go, Mike. Uh, I just saw the team, and I was so impressed. I'm taking Colorado to cover minus two versus Arizona State. What do you think? Uh, I like it. Uh, it's the error of uh, recency, but I like it. <laughs> Gotta go somewhere, right? Right? Gotta go somewhere. Absolutely, and it's a it's a fitting nod to our to our trip, which I'm glad to say that you and Brian enjoyed. It was it was really one of the better ones. All right, folks, it's been fun again. Reminder: follow us on Instagram. Right, as we mentioned last week, it's the happier version of social media. There's only good stuff there. Right? And I learned we we posted a lot during our trip on Instagram, didn't we? We absolutely did. Uh, send us your photos of your tailgate. We want to see those as well. Um, it's hashtag your CFB tailgate, right, Mike? Do they do hashtags on Instagram as well? They do. Ah, uh, the hashtag. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet out a uh, or I mean, what do you call it? Instagram out. <laughs> I'm gonna it's put on like... Instagram. It needs a it needs a better verb. I'm gonna put on Instagram a, a picture of my tailgate this Saturday. And it need not be a tailgate. It could be like your spread up. Like say, Mike, when it's your annual uh, suitcase of fried chicken at your at your house, right? You can tweet that out for the world. No, to see. no, no photos are available <laughs> of that. It could be your backyard barbecue. It could be at your local watering hole. Just send us photos of you enjoying your college football Saturday. We'd love to see it. Mike, it is Wednesday. I wish it was Friday. It's not. Um, But we are almost there, right? We're over the hump, as they like to say. Over the hump. So there is uh, one thing to say, Mike. Pachas. Pachas. What do we clock in at? Thank you for listening to the TCFA Podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.